G'day and welcome back. It's Friday, 4th of October, 1946. You might recall that Betty was one of five girls, and today she's writing to her baby sister, Mars. Well, perhaps not a baby anymore. Mars is now 17. But before we get to today's letter, we'll hear a little more from the story of Unra. Chapter 22 The Desperate People During the war, millions of men, women and children were uprooted from their firesides and scattered like chaff across three continents. Some were only a few towns distant from their homes, others were halfway round the world. In 1945, it was estimated that there were in Germany alone more than 8 million displaced persons most of them Nazi labour slaves. Thousands could be found in Austria, Italy, the Middle East, the Far East, and even in the Western Hemisphere. Caring for, repatriating and resettling these people has been one of the most ticklish and tragic of post-war problems. The great majority wanted to go home and lacked only the means of getting there but some have not wished to return to their native countries because they feared political persecution. Others consider themselves stateless. This hard core of DPs, or displaced persons, who have nowhere to go, have indeed become the world's most desperate people. UNRWA had a large hand in post-war refugee work. It was originally authorised to care for and assist in the repatriation of former United Nations nationals and stateless persons. Its scope was later extended to include others, among them Italian nationals displaced within their own country as a result of war. Specifically, excluded from UNRWA care were prisoners of war and persons of any nationality who have been determined by the military authorities to have collaborated with the enemy or to have committed crimes against the interests of nationals of the United Nations. UNRWA's first DP task was in the Middle East, where in May 1944 it assumed full responsibility for six camps and about 40,000 refugees, mainly Yugoslavs, Greeks and Dodecanese islanders. Among these people were the wives and children of the partisans who fought the enemy more courageously in the knowledge that their relatives were safe. There was a preponderance of old men, old women, and disabled soldiers in the group. For over a year, under the blazing sun and primarily in tent camps, UNRWA fed and cared for these people until ships could be rounded up and they could be offered repatriation. The handicaps were overwhelming. Sketchy sanitary facilities, makeshift hospitals and kitchens, and shortages of everything. UNRWA set up health, educational, welfare and recreational services and introduced a system of self-government. Most of the refugees chose to return to their own countries at the first opportunity and from its Middle East office, UNRWA repatriated a total of 50,000 people, some of them coming from as far afield as Tanganyika and the Belgian Congo, and all of them were accompanied by UNRWA welfare and medical officers. We'll resume the story of UNRWA in further episodes, but now, here's Bet. 
Mrs. Betty Souter, UNRWA Regional Office, Nan Chang, Changsi, 4th of October, 1946. No mail for me today, therefore no snaps. My dear Mars, I seem to be losing my methodical habits. I often forget these days to put a note in my correspondence book of the letters I've written. It would appear from the book that the last letter to you was written on September the 15th. I really thought that I had written to you since then. However, if I haven't, then I hope that you have contented yourself with your share of the circulars. I have your letter of the 5th September to answer, parts of which, however, I will treat with loads of ignore. My form is not greasy. Well, not today anyway because the typhoon has died prematurely, leaving a crisp, cold day in its wake. I have not had a sweat-up now for about 48 hours, and I feel good. In just a few moments, Marge will be back from her bike ride, and I will go out for my three times around the house. Yes, I can ride it now, almost. I just do a little each morning, and I'm to be promoted to a ride out into the city very soon. There's no danger from traffic here, only from pedestrians, who are the silliest people in all the world, I'm sure. Glad the belt fits you. I thought that maybe you were at the age where you are thinning out a bit and getting your shape. Ha ha, ha 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 ha. Thank you for your efforts, refilms, lippy, pancakes, etc., Please continue with the efforts refilms, but you may cease the other efforts because our PX here now has some makeup, which will do quite nicely. I really should not ask for anything because I can manage with what is available. Up to the present, I have managed to avoid being one that you cannot bear to look at. The old girl's dinner must have been a good show. Sorry that I was not with you. I expect there would have been some of my contempts there, unless, of course, they could not manage to hobble along. Time does go by, and I'm lucky to have had so much activity left in me. Give us a break, Mars. There's dance in the old dame yet, as Archie said of Mehitabel. Yes, I received the cables, and yes, I have had my holiday in the hills. I have already reported on both. That holiday was really beaut, and not only because Hank was there either, though his presence made a certainty of my enjoyment. I don't think that I ever mentioned that I had my first sight of the Generalissimo while at Cooling. Hank and I were out walking one day and passed by the Generalissimo's house going up towards the town when we met the Generalissimo on the narrow pathway. He was being carried in his sedan chair with only four attendants, apart from the chair coolies. He was leaning back against the dark blue plain cloth covering in the chair, enjoying the sun and air. He was wearing a dark Chinese suit with the little buttons down the front and a narrow straight collared jacket. I really was most impressed by his dignified appearance. He looked like a most calm, competent and straightforward person. I like his appearance immensely. It was rather nice seeing him in the informal surroundings. There was just no one else around. 
He looked at us both with interest, and we bowed as soon as we realised who he was. Having now attended his welcome and all the doings, we feel that we are old friends. Unfortunately, I took the official instruction too seriously and did not take my camera to the reception. But Marge took hers and was permitted to take some snaps. They came out well, and I'll be getting copies from her in due course. I should have some snaps of my own to send you very soon, including some more of Hank. I have sent the negatives to Wendy in Shanghai to get the prints made for me. There are some more on the way to her for printing too. I hope they will be good. It's quite amazing how the films have lasted out. I got one from Ada Schroeder last week, which is in the camera now. Up to this point, I have had four interruptions. I hope I can finish it off this time. Including the bike ride, I sure scared those chickens. I'm not personally concerned about the impending civil war, which the outside world seems to predict for China. It will probably take place, and fairly soon. But I feel kind of safe here in Nanshang. We do get a little jolt every now and again, though, when we receive directions from China office on what to do and where to go in case of fighting breaking out. One has just come in by telegram, and it reads as follows. Recommend plain white strip approximately one yard wide identification for UNRWA convoys and vessels against air attack. Place on top running entire length of convoy, giving appearance of lines of white dashes front to rear. Fully coordinate both factions Nanking. If snow on ground, can paint continuous red stripe centre of strip, not over one foot wide, but optional. Concur with any local headquarter, both factions. Our Ma is down with malaria again, and her dull-witted sister has taken over. I think I must have told you how she hides the sheets in such funny places and takes interest in mixing up the bedclothes in the most peculiar order. Apparently, she does not know anything about the enlightened ways of going to bed, and our little floor mat finds its way into a different corner every morning too. Gosh, but she is still. Little Joe, the punker boy, found himself without a job as soon as the cooler weather came. We had become quite fond of young Joe Punka and racked our brains for a job for him so that we did not have to send him home again. He's an intelligent little blighter and catches on very quickly. It was evident that the other houseboys liked him too, so we have kept him on the house staff. He is now wearing his little white jacket suit and looking quite a cherub in it. We could not, of course, continue to call him Joe Punka. Not at all becoming to a houseboy. So, after finding that his proper name is Who, yes, another Who, we now call him Shohu, meaning Little Who. He seems happy as Larry and tickled to bits with the new promotion. He had only been here for one day when he discovered that the other houseboys, who live at the back of the house, were having English classes at night. The next day, number one houseboy announced that Show Who he come live this house. He learn English. And little Show Who, alias Joe Punka, arrived with his sleeping mat and a bundle of clothing and joined Unra Hostel. He is my student, 
and making good progress. I'm really quite fond of the lad. He's actually 13, but he's only the size and of the appearance of a Western 10-year-old. I did enjoy the visit here of Er Peng Shan, who I have mentioned in many of the recent letters. He seemed to enjoy my company too. He spoke English quite well, but had not been outside China at all. For a 30-year-old Chinese, he holds a very good job indeed and is, I imagine, a top-notch architect. He was an Olympic athlete and is unusually tall for a Chinese man. We at the hostel all agreed that he is quite the most natural and friendly Chinese man that we have met. For the most part, the Chinese are terribly class-conscious and terribly anxious to gain and keep face. While Shen is obviously a gentleman and of the highest class, he was quite charming with the servants, who both liked and respected him. Of all the Chinese I have met, I like him the best. If the fates of Unra lead me to Nanking, I am sure that he will give me a most interesting and exciting time among the Chinese big shots there. He is hoping. It was an opportunity for me to hear a lot of the Chinese customs and ask many questions without fear of giving offence. He was equally anxious to ask me questions about the life and habits of the foreigners. He is not a Christian and declares that he has a religious concept entirely of his own. From what he told me, I would say that he has the Christian concept of living without the belief in the life of Christ. He was able to explain the religions of various groups of people here and took me again to some local temples, including the Wen Shang Kung, where the refugees are still living. Yes, a most interesting interlude. What a conglomeration of a letter. Masogo, I'm most anxious to hear of the Estedford. I am wondering if it is all over now. You said the end of September, but if I remember rightly, it usually goes over well into October. I must just be patient for a while longer. Night before last, Marge and I had a party in our room for Joan Curtis our personnel officer, who is one of the most popular people here. She was celebrating her 23rd birthday. She belongs to the States, but is dark-skinned, some Negro blood, I assume. She really is a perfectly lovely person and is always arranging something for someone else's enjoyment and was thrilled to bits to have a party in her own honour. At six o'clock, everyone who was available came up to our room and I turned on the Nice biscuits, some tinned peanuts and barley sugar, with our beer and whiskey and toddy. Everyone enjoyed the little luxuries, and we had a thoroughly good party. The Chinese boys from the office and the Chinese housekeeper also joined us, so there must have been about 20 people there. We all came down to dinner at 7pm, as usual, but Marge and I had chosen the menu, knowing Joan's likings. We had chicken, fried, chipped potatoes, sweet corn, chestnuts, and the chocolate ice cream with marshmallow sauce and coffee. I have forgotten the potato soup to start with. The cook had made and iced a cake, which was cut with due ceremony. The houseboys set off firecrackers outside the window as the cake was being cut, 
After dinner, we sat around and sang everything we could think of. Altogether, a very happy party. Marge and I gave Joan a scroll, one that I would really like for myself. It's an embroidered one, on silk, with red silk mounting. Super. Must end off here, old girl. Cannot overload the mail. Will not seal it just now in case the snaps arrive in the mail, which is due at any moment. Lots of love. Bet. Suda. Production credits for this episode. Produced and narrated by Warren Henry, the voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorn, and the featured number one tune from 1946, I'm a Big Girl Now, performed by Swing and Sway with Sammy Kay, vocal refrain by Betty Barclay. Me and my childhood sweetheart Have come to the parting of the ways He still treats me like he did In our baby days I'm a little bit older And a little bit bolder Since both of us were three I'm a little more padded Something new has been added He ought to take one good look at me I'm a big girl now I want to be daring like a big girl now When daddy tells those certain jokes It isn't fair He tells me I'm too young and makes me take the air But I could tell a couple that would curl his hair I'm a big girl now I'm a big girl now I want to be handled like a big girl now I'm tired of being babied like a kid of three I'm tired of having chaperones to follow me I wanna have some secrets in my diary I'm a big girl now I'm a big girl now I wanna be cuddled like a big girl now I'm through with going to movies with my Uncle Tim Through with going to picnics with my old Aunt Min I want to go to Mexico with, you know him I'm a big girl now I'm a big girl now I want to be wanted like a big girl now I'm tired of staying home each evening after dark Tired of being dynamite without a spark I want to learn what fellows do in Central Park